Hello and welcome back to How To PhD episode number two. This is Aaron. And I'm Julia. In this instalment of our doctoral guidebook, we'll be talking about managing that all-important supervisor relationship and how to ensure you make the most of it. Well, thank you again for tuning back to How To PhD. We're calling this episode how to supervisee. Now, thinking back to our supervisor relationships, Julia, we, I think, yeah, we can both quite confidently say that we had good supervisor relationships, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm not only saying that because my supervisors or ex-supervisors might be listening, but I think, yeah, the proof um, for that is really that I'm still in touch with both of my PhD supervisors. My um, PhD supervisor is um, currently my mentor in the fellowship that I'm doing. So yeah, definitely, I can't can't complain at all. That's right. Yeah, and, and very much the same situation for me as well. Um, both, yeah, had a good sort of fruitful PhD relationship and also sort of managed to carry that through uh, into the working environment as well as we as we worked as research fellows after the PhD. Um, but of course, you know, we, we recognize that that's not always the case. And um, for a lot of people, it can be something that has to be worked on. And even if it is a good relationship, I mean, I think there is a lot of things that we learned uh, that can definitely help you sort of optimize that and, and get the most mm. out of this um, quite unique relationship as you sort of work together in this kind of doctoral challenge. Uh, so for this episode, we've come up with four key tips. So one less than the last episode, uh, but four key tips that we've sort of learned that can really help you develop and optimize and make the most of that supervisor relationship. Uh, so the first tip is what we're calling expect the expected. So we're calling this first tip expect the expected, right? And and the whole uh, message with this is to really set a kind of, uh, it's, it's a two-way flow of communication, right? It's two sets of people and the real successful relationships can come is, is when you it's when you set both sides expectations right so not only of course your supervisor will set their expectations what they expect you to do but of course uh, there's your chance to also express what you expect out of the relationship as well and of course that relates very closely to things like the, the aim of the phd right but it also relates to quite practical things right things that you can do sort of on a practical day-to-day -day basis which can really help that sort of two-way flow of communication yeah exactly and for me i think one of the key things for that to make a relationship with your supervisor but actually i think any working working relationship work is to set clear deadlines so what i try to do um, throughout my phd and i'm actually still doing that now as in my position as research fellow is that i set clear deadlines for myself and I communicate them um, to my line manager or back then to my PhD supervisor saying when I will send them something, for example, a draft of a journal paper or whatever it is I need feedback on um, so that they know when I will be sending them stuff. But likewise, I try to um, set deadlines where I would like them to come back to me with um, feedback um, to help me organize my time. And um, when they know um, when I will be sending them stuff, they can also plan when whether they will have time to look at my stuff. So I think it's just like all being respectful of each other's uh, timetables and making it work together. So I think that's really one very, very crucial thing. Um, I think usually it's reasonable maybe to give your PhD supervisors around like 
10 to 14 days to review for example mm. a journal draft paper that's what i roughly did and then i think you can always say look if that doesn't work for you i mean supervisors also go on holiday sometimes they go on conferences they're busy people but at least you have kind of set an expectation and then they can say oh look um that doesn't work for me but i will bring it back to you on this date so i think that's just really one important thing to always be organized with deadlines yeah there's this kind of um yeah this almost this aspect of almost yeah by setting that date that you can also uh, influence your timetable right you know yeah, when feedback's exactly. going to come back um it's it's i i know a few times that uh, particularly with things like journal papers and, and feedback on stuff that you might send something to someone to review and it cannot you can almost forget about it when exactly, you send yeah. it because you kind of send it and think okay i'm done with that now mm. i just need to wait for for them to get back to you and and then you might start something you might start a study you might start reading something else and then suddenly the feedback comes back um at a random point which you weren't really expecting and then suddenly you need to sort of get that your mindset back into what you were doing then and the whole thing kind of mm. breaks down whereas if you if you set that deadline you kind of you, you know for yourself as well that this is coming mm. up and and this is what you can uh, expect to be working on uh, at that particular date um and i guess I guess with, of course, those are, that's the sort of deadline stuff. Um, but also, you know, talking, going back to this idea of two-way flow of communication. Um, another thing is, of course, when you actually meet your supervisors, right? You you might have online meetings, you might have face-to-face -face meetings, but the kind of the, the, the same rules still apply. Um, and the, again, Julia, there are a few tips which... Personally, I never did this, but I think I think having heard you do this, I think it's a really good tip. Um, and that's to use meeting agendas, right? Yeah, and I think how that came about was that I had like at the beginning of my PhD, I think I had some um, supervisor meetings where I felt I didn't make the most out of them or I came out of the meetings and I still uh, I, f I forgot maybe to ask some questions or to raise some points. So I was like a little bit felt a bit lost after the meetings. So um, what I then tried to do is, yeah, set these agendas and what they are there are just like a short document. So I tried to keep them as short as possible. Um, and I try to have like kind of standing points on that. And so for every meeting agenda, I would start maybe with what I have been working on um, since the last meeting, since I last talked to my supervisor. So a short summary of the things I've been working on, the things I've achieved. Um, then um, like questions or comments that I had, like where I really needed my supervisors and answers from my supervisors or advice, support, or need them to send me some resource or whatever it was. And then um, the next point would be like next steps or the things that I'm planning to work on next. And maybe these would change um, based on what we discussed in the meeting, but at least I had like something planned in my mind that I could present to them how I was planning to do continue with my PhD work and that turned out I think to be really productive I feel much better after the meetings um, I've had I'd answer to all my questions or at least raise them and then my supervisor could say okay I'll, I'll come back to that um, later on um, so I think everything was then really really clarified and I think that that was really helpful yeah exactly and I think um, you know that that touches on another sort of important point is that when you're um, also managing this communications of course you you will send these agendas over email you know prior to the meeting oh, you yeah, will yeah. send um, that's right yeah so I mean you you want to send this kind of agenda 
before you meet uh, mm-hmm. and of course afterwards send a meeting summary and mm-hmm. you know just just to ensure that everyone is on the same page when it comes to what's been achieved and what's expected for the next time mm-hmm. and and of course you know the the main way that we all communicate uh, for better for worse is is email right and i think email is both a blessing and a curse of course you know it's changed the way we communicate with each other it's made it a lot easier um, but of course emails can come in in the numbers and especially for supervisors who are you know extremely busy as, as working academics um, a, a typical sort of experienced supervisor might be getting you know 50 60 maybe 100 emails a day mm. right and if your email sort of gets lost in the pile or it might be the fact that you know when they read the email they might give it maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds uh, to get the key points out of it uh, and and sort of action on it. Um, And so really try and keep those emails concise, like keep it really, really tight, keep the message tight. Um, I personally don't, you know, use bullet points to get that across don't write an entire letter because the chances are that it's just going to be too much information. Um, Someone will misread something, which I've seen with colleagues of mine where, you know, long emails were sent and, you know, things got misread, misconstrued, and then there's like misunderstanding. uh, And this can lead to a whole load of different sort of knock-on effects. Um, And so keep your emails tight. And as Julia said, send meeting agendas, send meeting summaries, you know, set that two-way flow of uh, communication and expect the expected uh, and all all of this stuff really helps reduce the chance that things go awry so point number two uh, in this episode is all about dealing with feedback right this is one of those those key things it's one of the key aspects of your supervisor relationship it's one of the most fundamental parts of it right because it's it's receiving that feedback it's getting the comments on your work it's getting comments on your writing and your presentation this is this is fundamentally how you're going to grow as a student uh, and also how your, your PhD is going to come together, right? So it's absolutely fundamental. And I can't, I've got to like emphasize that because it's, it is the way that your PhD will grow and get better. And it's just something that has to, has to be mm-hmm. right. Um, and I think a lot of it depends, of course, on your supervisor style, right, Julia? Yeah, yeah. And I think when I think back at the first month of my PhD, I think um, when I got the feedback on my first like kind of draft or literature or whatever I did, um, I think sometimes um, I, I was quite upset after because there were not, like a lot of positive comments. Um, there were just like loads of comment, like feedback, you have to improve this, this is not uh, correct. I think you need to add a reference here. Um, you need more information. So I think it was just sometimes felt a bit overwhelmed and getting so much uh, feedback. And um, I think it took me a while to realize that um, that these comments were like really a a treasure or something that really helped me grow and I've learned so so much from my supervisor comments but I think so supervisors are just very very busy people and I think um yeah you should not expect that there will be loads of like oh this sentence is really good or this section is very nice I think supervisors might do that and that's great um but if they don't then don't take that as as an oh everything um is wrong or I think that's how it felt for me sometimes I don't know how it was for you in particular but at the start I think I was feeling I was doing everything wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, um, it can be a bit daunting when you first sort of get your first bits of feedback back. And, 
you know the the word document is sort of covered in comments yeah. and and covered in red exactly. um and i think i think perhaps you know the way we the way we're sort of educated through school and through university is that the kind of the more comments on your work that you have the sort of more you've done wrong um and i guess i guess in many ways at this level when you're writing at this level it's it's no matter how experienced you mm-hmm. get you, you there's always ways that your writing can improve you know it's it's not like you're at the kind of school level or or even master's level you know mm-hmm. this is this is that next step up where you know even a seasoned professional even you know us you know having finished the phd when we do first drafts it, it's still pretty pretty terrible i think you just you just get better at being able to recognize that and and sort of move ahead of it so that's the only thing that kind of changes but really you know everyone starts from this place of like the first draft comments can always can always improve your work and and so it's a it's a very different level and i guess i guess one point is particularly when you get these comments uh, don't be afraid to ask for clarification right i mean this is there there are a lot of complex topics and when especially when you're stringing together the story of a thesis um it's a, it's a complex complex tapestry to weave, right? There are a lot of different aspects, a lot of different things you need to discuss and prove. Uh, and so don't be afraid to ask for clarification. If, if there's a particular comment and you don't quite get it or you you perhaps disagree with the comment, don't yeah, be afraid. Yeah, go into a conversation. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And yeah, and I also think the more comments there are actually that shows that your supervisor really engaged with what you've written. So I think you should be really thankful for getting a lot of um, feedback. Um, I've heard from other people who sometimes got a thesis chapter sent back and all they were saying in the email was like, oh yeah, like looks looks nice or reads well. And um, you wonder if they actually read your paper, if there are no comments, because I think no matter how good your um, thesis chapter is, there will always be something I think that you can improve. And um, so I think, yeah, just be appreciated of that on the other hand, i think what i'm trying to do now and i think um if you're a phd student then it's quite likely that you will also um supervise um students um at the university maybe undergrads or postgrad students and eventually you also will be in a position where you supervise like people later on if you're a research fellow maybe other phd students i think maybe to get into the habit yourself to supervise other people in a way that you would like to be supervised and also to provide them with positive comments and say wow this really improved or be specific with your feedback I think yeah you you always (laughs) try to learn something from that from however your supervisors are treating you either if you like how they do that and maybe follow the the style they're using but if you don't like it make it better when you are in a position of supervising or what what do you think how do you yeah i think that's that's really yeah it's really fundamental is um i guess yeah when when you get to that position when you're able to be the supervisor um Mm. then absolutely you know you know consider how you'd like to be supervised um but i think you know if we pull it back to the sort of the idea of being supervised and i guess there's one particular method which actually i learned from Julia and I call it the Julia table method. Um, and so this is a way of, so typically when you send a Word document, you, you normally, uh, the, the way it's worked for all of us is that you use track changes, right? And you know, that you turn on the track changes and you can make comments 
in Word and you kind of, you work on that Word document and you sort of make your changes live on that document. You might paste it into a new one and sort of edit it on that document. But fundamentally, you're sort of working within the Word comment system, right? And this is how I did it for, for three years. But you, Julia, have a, have a particular way of doing it, which actually, now that I've learned how to do it, is actually, it's actually quite a clever way of doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, um, just to say, I still do use like track changes in Word, like for a lot of things. But I think, um, particularly if it's um about like journal papers, um, that I'm writing or in the thesis, I think if there were some really quite or like more content comments, let's say it, rather than just corrections in language, grammar, or whatever, what I um try to do is yeah, to create a table. And then in the first kind of column of the table, I would paste the original version of a sentence or a paragraph um, from, let's say, uh, my journal paper. And then I would put um, the comments from my supervisors um, into with their initials into a next the column next to it. So um, then they could see, okay, that was the comment they made on this original section. Then I would put in how I kind of changed the original version. So the kind of um, change that I made and then I sometimes had another column to um, like put in questions or comments so if I had any more questions whether I addressed it correctly or whether I understood the comment um, then I would put that there and I just realized that um, I think for my supervisors sometimes it was much faster for them rather looking through a whole chapter of a thesis or a whole journal paper again and again um, just to have like this table which gave a snapshot of everything that was important for them to quickly review oh yeah she has done that she has done she has to address my comment here um and yeah it gave kind of a very structured way of working together so I've, i felt it worked really well for me so you can maybe try that when you're next writing something or getting feedback on on something yeah and i should say you know this kind of these kind of methods it's quite hard to describe in this audio podcast format so remember if you go to howtophd.show click on the episode show notes and we'll have an example there so you can see julia's table method in action and you'll be able to see exactly what goes where and how to potentially manage and deal with this kind of feedback so i think that's that's everything we want to say on dealing with feedback really and so the next point really is is advice to deal with things when things don't go quite the way you expect them to So inevitably, things are going to go wrong in a PhD, right? And there's many, many things that can go wrong, right, Julia? Yeah, so I think one thing might be that you really tried all the things that are in your control um, to establish a good, um, productive relationship to your supervisor, all the things kind of that we mentioned, right? Like making agendas and setting deadlines, um, engaging with the supervisor feedback. But I think one is like what what do you do if you feel you're not getting enough support your supervisor is responding not to your emails at all or providing really like late feedback so what to do then i think um i think it, it can happen for a for a period of time maybe your supervisor is very busy with some i don't know grant application that they're doing or on a conference or whatever it is they they also have their life and there might be stuff going on um but i think if that becomes like 
a normal basically that if you're not getting support I think you really have to address that and um, communicate that to your supervisor and um, there are options for example I know from some colleagues that felt they didn't get enough um, support um, they were then asking whether they could get for example another um, supervisor or collaborator on the project to just get a little bit more faster faster feedback so that's definitely an option I think they can do and I think you have a kind of structure of how you can like phrase that in yeah. a nice way that the supervisor won't be offended or Yeah, that's that's right. I mean I think like it's often part of the challenge is you know it's very easy for us to sit here and say yeah communicate that you know get get in touch with them but actually you know how how do you yeah Yeah. exactly how do you actually do that right what do you actually Mm. say um and so you know very a very sort of simple three-part structure to to structuring literally what you will say to someone will be to structure as when this thing happens so let's say it's to do with your feedback you could say when I don't receive feedback on time or when I don't receive feedback on the day that we sort of promised. So that's your first part. You're kind of describing the situation, describing what you see as, as, as the facts almost. Um, and this is the key part. You say, this makes me feel, and then you say how it makes you feel, right? This is potentially one of the more difficult parts, right? Because we're not, we don't naturally want to be vulnerable right in front of uh, in front of supervisors in a professional context but saying a sentence like this makes me feel this is something that you know they, they can't really argue with right mm-hmm. it's something that's very intrinsic to you it's very personal um and and it's a very sort of expressive and and vulnerable way of communicating and and then the key and the third part of that when you've described a situation and you describe how it makes you feel is then to express what what would you like to change mm. right what what do you want to happen yeah. based on this yeah and i think maybe it's good to also have that written down in an email or like written communication because if things should worst case escalate or whatever um then i think um it, you have written down in a in a in a nice way and also um, if you're the receiver of the message you don't know how your supervisor might feel like reading about that or hearing about that so i think if they read it in their own time then they have time to digest that and um like think about a good response so sometimes i think of course if they don't respond to your email or your concern that you express then i think of course you have to maybe contact them in person um or get someone else um to to help you with that issue but um i think yeah it's always a good idea to have like that documented somewhere yeah that's right and i guess you know if we if we loop this episode right back to the stuff that we talked right at the top of the episode about you know that two-way flow of communication setting meeting agendas concise emails you know Mm by all means you know send an email with this you know maybe you send this in an email summary you know after the meeting mm-hmm. um and and of course you know express this in person you know this is this is a very effective tool both mm-hmm. in email and in in vocal communication yeah. as well and of course uh, stay professional and be polite i think um that yeah there's no need to kind of um yeah i think you should always try to to stay professional um but I think the other thing that we were like kind of discussing is like, what if something, if there's something going on in your mm-hmm. supervisor relationship that you feel is inappropriate? And I think it's very unlikely for that to happen. I personally, I think I haven't really heard about that, but I think 
um if that should happen to you and if, you, if you're thinking about it already is, is something inappropriate happening um then don't suffer in silence i think it's really really important to talk to someone about that maybe start disclosing that to your friend or a colleague um, or a neutral party at the university um so i think yeah if you in any way if you're personally attacked or um you, you, should, you should definitely disclose that yeah that's right and i think um this is something where you know it it is a serious part of of this you know this whole topic um and of course you know the support you get is, is it is specific to university um mm. but you know there will definitely be the kind of channels available there yeah, confidential the pe- yeah, so exactly yeah the, the people that you can talk to um who are there for exactly this kind of thing so we thought you know of course, you know, things can go wrong on a sort of project level, on a sort of academic level. But of course, you know, it could be something a little bit more serious. Um, and, you know, if you're in that position, um, you know, we really hope that none of you experience that. Um, but if you're ever in that position, just know that there is a way out. Don't feel like mm. you have to suffer in silence. You know, just if if this message is enough to, you know, spark you into getting in touch with someone, then, you know, by all means, absolutely do that. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, that's, the sort of I guess you know perhaps this kind of serious thing happens maybe you know I'd say you know 99% of the time it it won't happen right Um, but of course something that happens to I can guarantee to almost every PhD student is this feeling of feeling stuck or um, not really sure what you're going to do with your work or you know personally you might not feel you might feel a bit demotivated right yeah so I think that's really something that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with your supervisors uh, it's just right you can have a great supervisor yeah. or a yeah. bad supervisor there's just something that will happen probably during your PhD it definitely happened to me several times I just felt stuck there I felt I wasn't I was questioning whether um, what I was doing was making any sense whether there was any um, yeah purpose in, in my in my work and um, I think um, again like what is important is um that you disclose that to your supervisor and talk to them about that and and because for me I think I had like one or two meetings in a PhD where I said like I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and they just calmed me down and said like look you have made good progress this is normal you're on a good track you will finish your PhD just sometimes I think to hear that someone saying don't worry you will finish your PhD we'll all be fine I think sometimes this, this is all you need but Again, because um, sometimes you might feel that it affects your work, your motivation, you're not productive. And I think, again, nothing will probably change if you keep it to yourself and um, suffer in silence. So I think sometimes just like talking out loud about your concerns um, will will make you realize that the problems are actually smaller than you might might think yeah absolutely i think like for me personally um and this may be true for a lot of you listeners as well is it was very hard for me to reach out to get help because i think from from my own sort of um psychology i sort of thought you know i was in this prestigious degree you know this was you know it's a doctorate it's kind of the highest level of of academic uh, qualification that you can be working at um it was a competitive position i know a lot of people applied for this particular position that i got um and i think this is you know true for a lot of phd positions so you might be in this position where you feel like you know you're in this like amazing position um and because of that because you're at this high level you can't get help right mm. it, it would show weakness to get help and and this is exactly what i thought 
for the best part of probably mm-hmm. probably probably two two and a half years in the doctorate um and and i guess the harder thing for me is that with the doctorate it was we we started as a cohort right there was five of us we all started at the same time it was difficult to get over this mentality that if i ask for help over things that i think might be like basic things that it would show that i'm like weaker than the others and and i don't know that the supervisors might think that oh boy like who who have we brought into the department on this right that's and i can just unequivocally say that that's a complete waste of time it's so counterintuitive yeah. <laughs> it's it's so like when i look back i think wow like i i lost so much time just being stuck Right. And this would be things that I thought are so basic that I, I can't really ask for help on this stuff. Right. And and I would just be stuck and I would maybe spend like two, three weeks just working on a particular thing by myself because I, I didn't feel like I could get help. And I have to say, well, that moment I realized that and it was like later in the doctorate, I was almost at my supervisor's desk, like almost every hour with questions. You know, once you let go of that kind of, I guess, pride uh, and mm. you realize it's just a complete waste of time and that nobody, nobody is going to rate you down for asking no. questions. And I have I have to say, I have no shame for asking <laughs> for help anymore. I, I think, yeah, I ask all the time colleagues and uh, supervisors for, for help. Of course, sensible. Like when, when they, when I feel, okay, I, I really don't know about that or I've looked it up, but I'm stuck. Sometimes just so much faster to like um, ask someone for help. And I, I realized most of the time, I think people are really happy to help. And I think once you start to kind of have broken the ice basically and um, shared what your problems are with your work or what your questions are then I think other people will also kind of open up that was my experience then and now we have a really supportive network network um, with colleagues and supervisors that we just ask each other for help and email each other directly um, rather than sitting around or um, spending loads of time to look something up that somebody else already knows yeah. <laughs> that's just, it yeah. that, i think that's just exactly a, um, it. waste of time really yeah and i think i think being vulnerable is an endearing trait so you know make the most of it get help you know let go of that kind of pride get the support when you need it um and really yeah work on that two-way flow of communication and and really build on that um and hopefully you know when things do go wrong you can use some of those previous tools as well as this kind of new mindset uh to really get over those humps and and bumps in the road So here we are at the end of another episode. I think, Julia, it's worth probably summarizing the sort of myriad of tools and techniques that we've talked about today, right? Yeah, so I think what um, you hopefully learned from this episode is like do the stuff that you can control that is in your control to make a most most productive um, supervisor relationship. Um, and that includes um, making meeting agendas, setting deadlines, engaging with your supervisor's feedback. And um, most importantly, maybe um, to speak up if you're um, if something goes wrong or you feel stuck. And I think you will, what you will see is that your relationship with your supervisor really changes over time and that will start to feel more like a collaboration and that you also might notice that you don't need your supervisor as much as you did at the beginning of your PhD. And um, yeah, I think if you follow the advice, um, you have a really fruitful future, PhD future ahead. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice message to finish on. So thank you so much 
for listening again to How to PhD. If this is your first episode or your second, uh, then thank you so much for tuning in again and, and welcome to the show if it's your first one. Do get in touch. We want to hear from you guys. Do get in touch with us at our email at contact at howtophd.show. We also have Twitter and Instagram handles where you can find graphical summaries of all the stuff that we've talked about, which is at howtophdshow. And you can also find written show notes and links to all the stuff that we've talked about, so including the the Julia table method, uh, meeting agenda examples, meeting summary examples, and even how to write emails. You can find all of this stuff at www.howtophd.show dot show in the show notes of course leave a review on podcasts or whatever platform that you're using tell your friends and family about the show julia next episode we actually have quite a big one right yeah so next episode's all gonna be about how to present and i think that's gonna be an interesting one and important one i think a lot of people are afraid to um, do presentations um, and we hopefully have some useful tips for you and if you have something that is on your mind basically that you would like us to cover in that episode like then leave a comment or send us an email and um, then we'll be able to address that point yeah yeah absolutely we'd love to hear from you so very much looking forward to the next one i think it's going to be a really really useful one so until then until next week take care and we'll see you all next time